0: Happy Women's History Month, Las Vegas. To celebrate, we're bringing back an episode highlighting amazing women who have impacted our state with Sue Kim Chung. She's UNLV's head of public services in special collections and archives. We ask Sue, who would be on her Las Vegas women's Mount Rushmore? It's Thursday, March 2nd. I'm Vogue Robinson, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Kim Chung. Good morning and thank you for being on CityCast Las Vegas. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Vogue. I'm so excited to be here to talk about some wonderful women who have made a difference in Las Vegas.
0: Yes, absolutely. So in a Friday news roundup, for those of y'all who are like consistent listeners, our team gave their picks on who would be on their Vegas Mount Rushmore and our list was sorely lacking women. So, I know that you are a Las Vegas historian. You did your grad school thesis on women in Nevada history, which is cool. Uh, And we thought you'd be the perfect person to help us out here. Who would be on your women's Las Vegas Mount Rushmore?
1: Well, this was a really hard choice to make. There are so many amazing women in Las Vegas history that have done things in different categories in, in you know, community activism, philanthropy, gaming, entertainment. So it was really challenging. And I would be fully prepared for somebody to say, Oh, what are you talking about? But I would say the first lady that I have chosen people would agree with. And I would say, I'm going to preface this like an annoying librarian who has to explain everything that she does, (laughs) that I chose mostly because the question was women who have made a difference in Las Vegas today. So I chose... Mostly my women are post-mid-century, 20th century, but I did choose one from earlier part of the century. That is Helen J. Stewart, who, of course, is the First Lady of Las Vegas. And my other uh, choices were Lubertha Johnson, Claudine Williams, Carol Harder. And my bonus choice, which I got, was Margaret Kelly, who you may know by her moniker, Miss Bluebell.
0: And it's so funny. I have a friend who has a poem about just different things in Vegas. But the thing she taught me was about Helen J. Stewart. So can you tell us more about her? I know she was the first female postmaster. So, yeah. Oh,
1: gosh. So, so much more than that. You know, if she's the first lady of Las Vegas. You know, she came here with her husband, Archibald Stewart. And I think, 1882. She had four children at that time. And then Archibald was, of course, uh, shot and killed at the Kyle Ranch, which was the only other ranch other than the Las Vegas ranch that she and Archie uh, lived and farmed and ranched on. And she had to retrieve his body. And she was actually pregnant with her fifth child at the time. And so, you know most women maybe would have just packed up left you know, she she was get, she was going to have the responsibility of running this ranch by herself with five children but she stayed she she stayed and she became the largest landowner in Lincoln county at the time which of course parts of Lincoln county became Clark county in 1909
0: so at that time Women could own property.
1: Yes. You know, she had this resilience and she had that stereotypical frontier spirit that she stayed on after this tragedy and having this ranch to run in the middle of nowhere. You know, there was really not much around in that early, late part of the 19th century. And so when People would come through and they'd stop to water their horses. She would be kind of the only sort of hospitality around to sort of offer people a beverage, you know, cook them a biscuit. She she had that spirit of, you know, hospitality and, you know, people grew as the town grew. She was, of course, probably most, again, well-known for selling a big chunk of her land to the railroad, the San Pedro Los Angeles Salt Lake Railroad in 1902. And of course, much of that land was later subdivided and auctioned off in the great Las Vegas land auction of 1905 and became that early part of what core nucleus of what we consider Las Vegas. So that is certainly one of the reasons she would be an important person to be on the Las Vegas version of Mount Rushmore. And she also had a very uh, caring relationship with the Paiute population in Southern Nevada. She so admired their basket-making skills. Um, She ensured that when she sold the land to the railroad, that there would be land for the Southern Paiutes. And she was probably one of the first, again, as you mentioned, the first postmaster. She was the first woman member of the Clark County School Board, I think, in 1916. Oh, my gosh. And she also was interested in... Southern Nevada history. She worked with Jean Weir, who was the subject of my doctoral dissertation, of, who was the founder of the Nevada Historical Society, to kind of collect the history of Southern Nevada in that those early days. Gosh, just, just so much about Helen Stewart and her sort of pioneering role, and who knows what she would even recognize Las Vegas now, or she would have Oh even, my goodness, um, there's no way yeah what a so, beautiful
0: idea too. I love that you like brought I feel like you brought her like this historical figure into the present with that that thought of what would she say now? yeah, so can you tell me about Lubertha Johnson?
1: Yes, lubertha, you know so many important african American women in the history of Las Vegas, but I I picked Liberta because she was, among other things, which I would say, I don't want to say this is one of our smaller accomplishments. She was the first black nurse in Las Vegas. She would work at the hospital that eventually became UMC. She was an early member of the NAACP in Las Vegas, beginning in 1945. She, she did two non-consecutive terms as president, but she was the only woman at the t- table during the Moulin Rouge agreement, the discussions that integrated the strip in 1960. And there is a famous picture that is you probably have seen online. You may have seen it on the paper. You may have seen it in various exhibits. Dr. James McMillan, who was first black dentist in Las Vegas, is generally the center of that photo. Um, Orrin Gragson, who was mayor at the time, the strip was integrated during the Moulin Rouge agreement. He's in that photo. And you really can't see her. But Lubertha is sitting at the table. So she had a seat at that table. Literally. So that is essentially, and she was also instrumental in, uh, she was the recreation director at Carver Park during the basic magnesium days, which Carver Park was the um, sort of, segregated the the black housing for the black workers when ba- basic magnesium was in operation in Henderson. She also worked to create Operation Independence, which was the first sort of anti-poverty organization that was funded by the United Way and funded as a part of Lyndon Johnson's uh, War on Poverty. So the first anti-poverty and the self-help initiative in Clark County she was the one who organized that originally. So, so many things. Again, to me, it's the fact that she was that, the woman at the table during that very historic meeting of, of the Moulin Rouge Agreement in 1960
0: yeah, and I think we don't always we don't always get to see them or hear their stories, hear women's stories, especially when it comes to movements like this. But we all know that they were present. So it's like, where's the evidence we got to search? So I love that now I'm going to look for that picture
1: and and sure. and she's really like she's just kind of at the fringes of the picture. You can just see a little bit of her. But then I've seen other views of that table of other other photographs there are not many. I mean, then you see her, and she's clearly there, and you can kind of see her handbag there. and um so. I just felt it. She was, um, again, uh, somebody essential to be on our version of Mount Rushmore. We have a wonderful oral history of her in uh, Special Collections. It's available through our portal. So again, if anybody is interested in learning more about her, definitely consult that oral history. Um, The transcript is online.
0: How did Claudine Williams pave the way for women in Las Vegas gaming
1: industry? Well, you know, I know she was not, some people might kind of argue this point because there was Judy Bailey, who did also own a casino. Uh, after her husband, Doc Bailey, passed away, she took over ownership of the Hacienda. But I guess I picked Claudine because of her sort of of. Uh, Astute sort of business knowledge. She became actually, you know, she was uh, the president and general manager. Um, so she was actually in the casino gaming business for quite a long time. And she was really a partner with her husband in first with the Silver Slipper and then with the Holiday Casino. Then it became later Hera's, um so she was essentially the first female executive of a major casino, and she had she did a lot of other first. You know, she was president of the first woman president of the chamber of commerce, served on the board of the convention and visitors authority, and she was a first woman. Inductee into the Gaming Hall of Fame. So I just feel like she's just such a pioneering figure in gaming. And she did so much for Las Vegas and for UNLV, such a philanthropist. And there's a dorm on the UNLV campus named after her. So, oh, really? Yeah. Uh,
0: so, Carol Harder might be the most recognizable name on your list to a lot of people. What are some fun facts about the former UNLV president?
1: Well, um, fun facts. I think maybe they're serious facts. but Serious um, facts. (laughs) Yeah, serious facts. I mean, Carol Harder was president when I first started working here in 1999, and she was definitely somebody that was sort of – I really looked up to. I mean, she was the first woman president of UNLV. And she was actually responsible for the building that I work in, which is Lead Library. And it's one thing. The fun fact is that it was like one square foot larger than the Thomas and Mac. and that was very deliberate on her part. Was because we wanted to sort of make it a symbolic sort of transition. This this focus on academics. So um, that is one thing that you know. One of the things which you always, when you give a tour of Lead Library, you always <laughs> mention that it's three hundred and one thousand square feet. But she was also just really. The reason um She's not the only reason, but certainly the fact that we are a tier one school today, that was something that she had the vision for back in the 90s when people kind of like laughed at that idea and scoffed at the idea and the idea that UNLV could be a UCLA in terms of research and things like that. And she just did so many things. There were many programs that came along um, during her tenure over UNLV, including the Boyd School of Law, the School of Dental Medicine. Many, many new buildings. She was supportive of the creation of the Women's Research Institute of Nevada. And then when she left, she became um, uh, executive director of the Black Mountain Institute, which I think is something really important for her that is, you know, kind of put Las Vegas on the map sort of culturally and in a literary manner as well. So I just think she just was so important to the history of UNLV, creating like this idea that UNLV could be more than like tumbleweed tech. There's been work over the years by multiple presidents, but she certainly had a great hand in having that vision. It just offers so much to the community in terms of educating the community in in many different ways and providing cultural richness to the city.
0: Tumbleweed tech. Wow. <laughs> I've never heard it referred to that way. I remember in undergrad looking at schools, but and I always heard UNLV had like a really good criminal justice program. Like that's the one I always heard lauded. And but people, I, yeah,
1: people today still say things like, Oh, you guys have did you guys have a great basketball team? And I'm kind of like, oh, <sighs> you know, we've done a little bit more since then. Um, but that's the thing that people kind of sticks in people's minds so that's hence the idea of the of the of lead library being one square foot larger than the thomas <laughs> and mac
0: okay so let's not forget your bonus pick because <laughs> i know you so, wanted to talk about her <laughs> so
1: yeah i was told i could have a bonus pick and so this one is i don't know if it's a little bit more f- foo-foo but i think she is important because the idea was women who have made Las Vegas what it is today. And I chose Margaret Kelly, who is again known by her moniker, Miss Bluebell or Madam Bluebell. And she was responsible with the producer Don Arden for bringing the Lido de Paris to the Stardust Hotel in 1958. And the Lido de Paris was the first show on the strip to feature showgirls. So I feel like You know, if you're going to talk about sort of an iconic symbol of Las Vegas, the Mm -hmm. showgirl, as we know from the way they are, um, I know that they are used in statuary or in neon statuary around town. And also with our former mayor, Oscar Goodman, who takes them to different events. So... The showgirl, despite the fact that there are no more showgirl shows on the Strip anymore, she definitely is a I, iconic symbol of Las Vegas. And and Margaret Kelly and her uh, work in uh, bringing these women to Las Vegas and um, having her high standards of what a showgirl should should be look like. And that's a whole different story if you want to talk about showgirls yeah, and dan- I
0: read and, She wanted and women who were five yes. ten, with long necks to show off the plumage.
1: Yeah. And it's a kind of a different story if you want to talk about showgirls versus dancers versus um it's a uh, something that evokes a lot of emotion in former dancers and former showgirls. So that's why I just I think she's brought she brought something that is it's certainly viewed uh maybe people don't know about like UNLV if in like London or France, but they know about Las Vegas showgirls. So,
0: mm, right, and it's it's a symbol that has been maintained
1: mm-hmm. as, despite the fact know. that there are no more show, showgirl shows. So, yeah.
0: exactly. Thank you for all of the, these really beautiful historical tidbits and like also ways to continue looking looking things up. Why do you think it's important to study women's history in our state?
1: Well, women's history is Nevada history. It's Las Vegas history. This state is full of amazing women who have done things from working on ranches to being teachers to being attorneys to being in the medical profession to being entertainers to be working in gaming to work in civil rights. I mean, so women's history is not. It shouldn't be a separate thing. It should be included within the, the story of Las Vegas. And I, again, I say that I chose these women because I, I know a little bit about them, but it was a, a tough choice because there are so many women who've done wonderful things in Las Vegas and Nevada. And I hope more people take the time to learn more about what they've done for the legacy of Las Vegas and continuing on. There's women who are currently doing fabulous things for Las Vegas in so many ways today. Um. And if you'd ask me like I could give you a set of of Mount Rushmore ladies in in education in entertainment in activism this was again a tough tough choice but
0: Yeah, absolutely. I like the, the categorization too. Thank you so much Su Kim Chung for being on the show today. Thank you for being on Citycast Las Vegas.
1: Oh, thank you so much Vogue for having me and for just thinking this was important enough to be a story that needed to be covered.
0: Now for your quick fix of news. Last year was a tough time to be a stray dog in Southern Nevada. Of the 14,000 dogs taken in by the Animal Foundation shelter in 2022, nearly 2,300 were euthanized, almost double the number from the previous year. Also, if you're looking for a new job, put March 24th on your calendar. That day, some 100 companies will be at the convention center in a huge spring job fair. Search for it on the Clark County website. Lastly, come see the CityCast Las Vegas team IRL at the opening of the Beverly Theater. David and I are moderating a panel with local authors on Saturday, March 4th. We'll link to more details in the show notes. See you there. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with our Friday News Roundup. Don't forget to show the women in your life some love.